Oh yeah. Oh, it's a holiday Monday. Can you taste it? Tastes like an old long dead queen or something. Well, just looking at my window, it is dark. It is 9.06. It is just after 9. Whew. Holy moly. But it must be Monday, holiday or not. Here I am, Chris Schreier, Toronto Beer Podcast. Guys, episode 20 in season four? Oh. Do you hear that? Fireworks. Yeah, thank you. Episode 20. Woo! That's obviously why there's fireworks right now at 9.06 p.m. on this Monday, the 18th of May. Also sometimes called Victoria Day. Hmm. Happy birthday, Victoria. Apparently she was a good queen. I wouldn't know. But anyway, uh, enough of that. Let's dive right in here, guys. You have a good holiday Monday? I did. Pretty chill. Actually found myself at points today just sitting, breathing. that it was really nice after a fairly chill weekend too it's good it's good because you know i've been working i know a lot of people holiday monday doesn't mean anything because every day is holiday monday when you aren't really going to work but uh for those of us who are working uh it was a pleasant uh reprieve it's unfortunate because of course for many of us and i would count myself in that group this would normally be a weekend to head up to the cottage we are blessed to have family with a beautiful cottage that we get to visit from time to time. And uh, we would typically have gone up there, but obviously what with all this uh, social distancing and uh, stay-at-home orders, can't do that. So we stayed at home and uh, got some stuff done, drank some nice beer, mostly just hung out and relaxed. So that was nice. Back to the real deal tomorrow though, right? So for most of you, Back to the same as today, but for me, back to work. So I'm going to enjoy this one. Um, uh, I was going to apologize. No apologies necessary, except that things are getting a little one-dimensional, as I mentioned before. Tonight, we've got this beauty, Johnny Simcoe Pale Ale from Great Lakes Brewery. Now, I know I did a Great Lakes beer last week, but guess what, guys? I bought a lot of Great Lakes beer, and I like it. So I'm drinking through it. So if you don't like that, Now's the time to turn off the podcast. If, on the other hand, you're curious to know more about this Johnny Simcoe Pale Ale, well, let's talk. I'm going to open it right now. Ah, only got a little beer on me there. Delicious. And we'll pour it into ye old glass. Much cleaner glass this week. I should probably do this on film if you're watching at home. Oh, yeah. Oh, almost poured beer on my crotch. But there we go. Beautiful, beautiful, opaque, sunny yellow Johnny Simcoe Pale Ale. This is a gluten-reduced pale ale. Uh, they use that language because to call yourself gluten-free, you have to get everything tested, and it's uh, no mean feat. So they just say reduced. But if you are not celiac and you are missing beer, eh, give this one a whirl. See what happens. I know my wife, who is intolerant to almost nothing, other than that delicious long-chain carbohydrate. Um, protein? Gluten's a protein, I think, not a carbohydrate. Uh, anyway, she can drink this beer because she just gets a bit of a... 
upset stomach thing going on and uh this doesn't seem to spike that so isn't that nice anyhow uh johnny simcoe pale ale pale ale bit of a departure normally i'm more in the ipa camp these days but a pale ale american style pale ale no less beautiful beer and this guy is a hazy boy as you can see on the cameras if i hold it upright uh like i said opaque but sunshiny yellow hmm oh that's interesting Hmm. So I've been drinking these the past couple of days and I had picked up on um, this quality that I'm about to describe in this, the aroma, the smell. Um, I hadn't really stuck my nose into it, though. It's quite peachy. It's quite peachy. I was... Oh, that's really... Hmm. Hmm. I just caught a whiff of something that almost reminded me of a whiskey in there, like a scotch whiskey, but I don't quite know how to quantify that something about the way the malts and that peach were playing with each other anyway um i always think of simcoe i'm assuming simcoe is the primary hop in this because of the name i've had it a number of times um doesn't say actually just looking at the packaging here um but you'd have to assume simcoe simcoe hops john grave simcoe you know, makes sense. Johnny Simcoe, as they call him i assume it's mostly simcoe hops simcoe hops i always think of as being quite piney this is quite peachy. Hmm, let's uh, let's stick it down the old drink hole. Hmm. Oh yeah, very soft and delicate peachiness. Hmm. Just a hint. Just a hint of a herbal herbal, if you prefer quality. Almost touching on dill. Kind of parsley, dill kind of thing. I know parsley and dill don't really taste similar, but a bit of both characteristics. Hmm. But peachy. But wonderfully um, gentle. It's not, um, it's not aggressively hoppy. And it's funny, I'm trying to think back. This is a beer I've had a number of times from a number of different batches. I feel like they're making it a little bit more... Um, aromatic on the hop than bitter there's probably some earlier hops that maybe they've phased out it's just not as intensely bitter in the mouth um, it's quite soft I also wonder if it's got oats in it flaked oats yep there's a real nice smooth quality to the beer um, that oats can add oats add a protein that makes for a creamy mouthfeel Hmm. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful beer. Um, not anywhere near as aggressive as a, as a big IPA. Like I say, peachy, fruity, maybe a little floral, bit of that herbal quality I was talking about, kind of parsley, maybe a hint of dill. But uh, those are very, very minor tastes. It's mostly kind of peachy, fruity quality. Again, that whiskey thing caught me. There's something about the malt. It's got a, well, a malty quality, not dissimilar from a whiskey. Um, no alcohol heat, nothing like that. Um, but yeah, interesting. Um, I haven't really sat and thought about this beer, obviously, very much recently. Um, but yeah, very smooth, but light-bodied. So it's not, there's no density, but it's very smooth on the palate. Um, quite light-bodied. Um, delightful. Very refreshing, as it were. Mm. Finish is um, hoppy but not dry at all, um, and also not citrusy at all. 
just very smooth, very balanced finish. I like it. Um, pretty quick, not a lot of linger. Just a little hint of that hoppiness. Very refreshing beer. Interesting thinking about it in comparison to, say, Canuck, um, which is also a Great Lakes Pale Ale. And uh, it is definitely different. I almost feel like it's a little bit more balanced than Canuck is. Hmm, interesting. I would love to try them side by side now that I've said that out loud. Uh, but I digress. Delicious um, Simcoe. Johnny Simcoe, pale ale. Uh, you, uh, you might be asking about that gluten reduction. Uh, enzymatic. Yep, nothing to do with the grains. Um, I'm almost positive that that's how Great Lakes does it. There is a... Uh, it's actually an enzyme for clarifying beer, which you would never think looking at that. Um, depends what volume you use it at. But the other thing it does is the enzyme naturally, it's doing what, what a gluten intolerant person's body can't do. Not a celiac, that's different. That's an autoimmune uh, reaction. Um, but somebody who's got a gluten intolerance is because they can't process the gluten. They can't break the chains down. So it makes them basically have gastro, um, gastro intestinal problems. Um, the enzymes just pre-breaking down the gluten. So uh, all the ingredients are there. It's just partially digested when you drink it. That sounds disgusting. Um, but I'm pretty sure that's why this one is a gluten-reduced beer, is they're using that enzyme in it. And it's possible they're using that enzyme, even though this isn't a clear beer. I'm holding it up for the camera, for those of you watching at home. Um, it would help if this were more of like a chunky boy, that enzyme would help break a lot of that out and uh, just bring it down to just being a hazy boy. So it's possible that's what's going on. Not entirely sure. First time I heard about that was with, um, I think it's Stone, one of their IPAs is gluten, the gluten-free because they pay the money, the lab money to have it checked. Um, but they use the same process and they did it because they were having problems with batches of beer that weren't just hazy, but they were chunky. And uh, somebody said, oh, why don't you try this enzyme? And they did. And it, it did exactly what they wanted. And the person said, oh, and by the way, now it's gluten-free. So there's that. Um, anyway, that's the Johnny Simcoe. What would you uh, eat it with? Well, obviously, it's the long weekend, probably... Get a barbecue going. Hmm. I'm just looking at my YouTube camera, and it seems to be focused on my microphone, not on me. Let's see if I can get it to buy in on my face. Nope, not so much. Well, we're going to leave that. Um, yeah, barbecue something up? Sure. Burgers. Dogs. Be fine. Um, peachy quality, though. But it's not like something you would necessarily want to have with something fruity or, like, desserty. It's not that kind of a beer at all. Um... You'd almost probably want to lean into something chickeny, um, something where you might typically use like a peach glaze. Ooh, peach glaze. What would you like to glaze with peach? You know, I don't, uh, I don't get down to pork too much. More fireworks, by the way, if you can hear that. Um, obviously, some people are disobeying the stay-at-home orders and lighting off fireworks at the beach because that's what people do around here. They come to my neighborhood instead of staying in theirs. Anyway, um, peach glaze, ham. Why don't you peach glaze up a ham? This beer is light and floral and refreshing, and ham is salty and fatty, and if you glazed it with peach instead of pineapple, ooh, Nelly, you might be looking at a real interesting pairing. Or not. I don't know. Never tried it before. I'm just free associating here, really. So that's what I'm going to say. Uh, this would be a banger with some cheese. You know, last week I told you I had that hot date with my wife. Whew. 
nice cheese we ate. Let me tell you, that was something. Um, I would definitely eat probably the bean. I would eat the beamster with anything. Beamster again punches way above its weight though, but uh, maybe one of the lighter weight beamsters or like a nice gouda. Be nice. Be able to work. I'd get down to that. So that's what we're having. Some uh, Johnny Simcoe. Available, as I said last week, with uh, whatever it was I drank last week. What did I have last week? Not fine young cannibal chicken, something else. Hayes Mama? No, I'd already done that. Well, there are ways I could find out, but I'm not going to bother. We're just going to forge ahead. Uh, as I said last week, order online. Uh, next day delivery. If you order today, they deliver tomorrow. And that's pretty darn good. Again, for the GTA. Uh, I'm not sure where everybody watching or listening is watching or listening from. But if you are within the greater Toronto area, you can check their website. And I suspect you're going to find they deliver to you. So check that out. If not, delivery anywhere in the province via my employer, Canada Post. So pick some of that up or go to the brewery. I think they do curbside pickup. So that'd be nice. Uh, support those guys, as I always say, or support the brewery that's geographically closest to you. It occurred to me the other day, incidentally, the geographically closest to me brewery is actually Beaches Brewery, a brewery I've been into once. Never done one of their beers on the pod, though. Probably should remedy that, but we'll see. Uh, I digress. Support your local, support Great Lakes, support them both. That's what I would do. That's what I am doing as I have another sip of this delicious Johnny Simcoe Pale Ale. Do we need to talk about Pale Ales versus IPAs? Nobody's saying yes in the comments. So I think I'll leave it. Uh, we can do that another time. Uh, but I will tell you this. Last week, I tried to answer some questions. I forgot one, but I answered two others. And that, wow, that was successful. By the way, the third one was not so much of a question as the thing I wanted to talk about. There was this article going around about some people in South Africa who died of a homebrew that they'd made. And a lot of people were saying, oh, homebrewing, it's dangerous. You shouldn't do it. That's bunk. You should definitely homebrew if you have the capacity and are interested in beer. It's a fantastic way to discover uh, the, the depths of this beautiful thing that we all drink. Uh, the story in South Africa, not known yet exactly what happened. Uh, my first take on it was that they probably, for one, I've seen now some videos of people like doing like a, hey, here's how you can make some beer, but they're not making beer. They're really kind of making a something along the lines of a cider or like a fruit wine, um, typically with pineapple which is probably delicious potentially. But anyway, it, it, it brings in a whole host of problems. Uh, one of the videos I saw, the guy was saying, just throw the whole thing in, leave skin and all. Okay, except if there's some sort of pesticide on the outside of that, you're now going to consume that, right? And who knows? Anyway, uh, if you're interested in homebrewing, don't let those sorts of things scare you off. And don't especially let the people sharing those telling you that it's dangerous scare you off. If you are making uh, homebrew with a uh, malt extract, be that dry or liquid, or whole grain, the going the whole hog, as I like to call it. Um, if you're using traditional ingredients sourced from a reputable dealer, and I couldn't say more good things about Toronto Brewing, uh, you could not make that poisonous if you tried, um, unless you introduced some things that were poisonous. But certainly all of the ingredients that go into beer uh, are not themselves poisonous. Ethyl alcohol, incidentally, is poisonous, horrifically. 
But what's the saying? There's no poisons. There's only poisonous doses. You can die from drinking water. So, and I don't mean drowning. Look it up. Uh, you can't make poison making homebrew unless you really do a bad job sanitizing or use ingredients not on the approved list. So get yourself a good book. Uh, I believe actually there's a good one. Uh, my friends Mark Murphy and Jordan St. John wrote. I can't recall the title of it, but if you look them up, uh, they wrote a book, so you could find out about brewing from them. Or you could join GTA Brews on Facebook, like I suggested last week. Anyway, rant over. That There was a good reason why I forgot that one. It was kind of a boring bit, wasn't it? Anyway, uh, I did answer some questions, and they seemed to tickle people's fancies, and I actually had a couple of questions forwarded to me, and it got me thinking, you know what would be fun? People always like those AMAs on the Reddit, as the kids say, I think, uh, which AMA, ask me anything, baby. See how I said that in sort of a sexy, jazzy voice? That was to make you think like, well, what could I ask him? Try me. <laughs> you might be surprised. Anyway, uh, I got some questions here. I'm going to flip over to them. And uh, I got five. We'll see if I get through them all. Um, four of them are about beer. So, and one of them is, and I'm going to start with the not beer one. Uh, what's up with all the guitars? If you're watching at home, especially on YouTube, I'm trying to get my finger to point with the camera. Um, yeah, there's a number of guitars behind me. I think a lot of people have at least a few if they have one. I don't know. Maybe some people just have one. Um, I do have a couple myself, but the, the reason why I actually have so many guitars, uh, I've gotten a hobby going where I, I fix up guitars. I buy them cheap, fix them up, and then I sell them. And the plan is if I keep buying them for cheap and then selling them for more, taking that profit and reinvesting it and repeating and so on and so forth until I have enough money to buy myself a Martin guitar made in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. And yes, if you were wondering when Robbie Robertson said rolled into Nazareth, just a feeling about half past dead. OK, I know LeVon Helm actually sang that, but Robbie Robertson wrote the lyrics. It was because he was playing a Martin guitar, and not only that, but one of the more rare Martins that actually had a paper label inside of it. Most Martins are stamped on the heel block, um, but if you do have one with a paper label, you will see Martin Guitar Company, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. And he saw that and he thought, well, that's an interesting place name. Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Rolled into Nazareth, just feeling about half past dead. So... I want to buy a Martin. I call it trade up for Martin and I'm trying to do that. One of the guitars behind me right now is not actually mine. It's a, uh, a setup I did for a friend and I do that as well. If you've got a guitar, you need some work done on it, set up more elaborate. I can do crack repairs. I can, you know, fix guitars, I guess you want to put new hardware on there. Easy. Got that covered for you. Hit me up. This is not a sales pitch, but it's an explanation why there are so many guitars behind me. By the way, there aren't that many. Okay, I mean, I can count six cases and one out of a case, so maybe that is a few. But anyway, uh, that's the answer to that question. What's up with all guitars? You should see the basement. Next question. This is an interesting one. Hmm. I think uh, this one might have the uh, people in the, the comments talking. I'm just going to have a sip of beer here, which is telling. Mm. Delicious. The question is, if a beer didn't get you drunk, would you still enjoy it? Hmm. That's an interesting question. And of course, the answer is yes, I do enjoy beer. And um, most of the time I enjoy beer without getting drunk. Although I will tell you, I'm not, 
I'm not unaccustomed to being intoxicated on ethyl alcohol, the poison that I just mentioned earlier. But yeah, no, absolutely. I find beers delicious tasting um, in a variety of different ways. Obviously, some beers like this are light and refreshing and uh, peachy. Some beers are dark and syrupy and chocolatey and smoky. And those are all good things. Um, and I think they all taste great. I think it's fair to say that the intoxicating properties of a beer are a significant part of the relationship with beer. Um, but I don't think, hmm, I was going to say, I don't think it's required. I don't think it's always required. I certainly don't think, as noted, I, I generally don't get drunk when I drink a beer, or at least I don't get drunk drunk, you know what I mean? Um, a lot of nights I've probably had a couple of beers and wouldn't operate a vehicle. But I also wouldn't consider myself drunk. You know, I'd still, I don't know, say operate a chainsaw because I so often go reach for that chainsaw. But you know what I mean? It's not uh, I'm not I'm not stumbling. I'm not stupid. So uh, if a beer didn't get me drunk, would I still enjoy it? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. And most of the time I try to avoid getting messy drunk. So most of the time. Good question, though. Thank you for that. Uh, what's the deal? This is the next question, by the way, guys. And it's not Jerry Seinfeld asking this. What's the deal with IBUs? Are they I's or are they U's? They're being something. Uh, that's why we shouldn't do this live. Anyway, what's the deal with IBUs? IBUs, International Bittering Units. It's the measurement we use to somewhat quantify the hop uh, presence in a beer. Important thing to note here, hops add two, well, <laughs> lots of different, but you can kind of carve out hops into two different things that they do to beer. On the one hand, they add actual physical bitterness. That's what you feel in your mouth. It's bitter. Um, this is generally mostly from the alpha acids in the hops, not entirely, but we can handily call it as a shorthand. It comes from the alpha acids and the hops. And the IBUs is essentially a measurement of the IB of the alpha acids that end up in the finished beer. Uh, we've talked about this before. If you put a, a hop in early in the boil and allow it a lot of time in the kettle to boil, you'll extract more of those alpha acids. If you put it in very late or even after the boil, you won't extract very many of the alpha acids at all. You'll only extract the uh, aromatic oils. If you're extracting alpha acids, you're adding perceived bitterness to the beer. IBUs are roughly a measurement to uh, ascertain how much alpha acids is in the beer. Where this gets problematic is if you take a beer like a new school style IPA, many of which I've been um, drinking, or even this Simcoe, this Johnny Simcoe, which I'm going to have a sip of. They have a lot of hops in them, but they don't have a lot of perceived bitterness because the hops are added late in the boil. They're looking for the aromatics, not the perceived bitterness. Um, so in that sense, IBUs isn't really, it used to be considered just a measurement for like how much hops were in the beer, um, but that's not really the case anymore. It's, it's more of a thing about perceived bitterness. Now we run into some problems. A lot of the time when you see uh, Brewery X says beer Y has N IBU in it, they're doing that based off of projections from a recipe calculator. Um, generally, that hasn't been lab checked to find out the actual concentration of the alpha acids. What they've done is they've said, I'm adding this much of this type of hop at this point in the boil. So I can expect 
this much alpha acid extraction. So a lot of the time when you see a brewery says, oh, this double IP has 85 IBU, it might, it might have 60, it might have 90. Um, uh, there's a lot to be said for the brewing process itself. Uh, that said, they, they generally are going to be in the ballpark. Um, and the other thing is you can use it almost as a bell curve measure that, you know, this beer with this IBU is probably notably more bitter than that beer with that IBU, for instance. Uh, there is another side of this, which is there's some discussion now about our ability to perceive IBUs. Um, and, and more importantly, to differentiate, but also there's some people think possibly a ceiling. So you'll see like a brewery will say like, oh, this beer has 120 IBU. It's pretty well accepted that you couldn't really, that's going to taste roughly the same to you as say like a 90 IBU. I'm just making those numbers up. But I think the idea goes back to, um, again, that perceived bitterness in your mouth requires receptors, uh, to, to sense it. And, um, you have a limited capacity to do that. So at a certain point, you hit a concentration where it's just full bitter and any extra bitterness, your mouth doesn't perceive it. And so <sighs> this is to say, don't really dwell on IBUs. IBUs can be helpful if you know nothing about a beer and it has a particularly high or a particularly low IBU. That does tell you something about the beer, but a lot of people kind of hang their hat on the IBU number and it's not that valuable uh, a metric and especially not now back in the days of big bold you know dogfish head 90 minute etc people cared about that it doesn't really matter so much anymore but uh, you know a lot of um fans of craft brewing still go on and on about it so you'll often get asked about that what's ibu and what does it matter um i've told you it's the international bittering unit it's a measure of the alpha acid in the beer and what does it matter it doesn't not that much it's there are much more interesting indicators that you can use to uh to gauge a craft beer so that's ibus um two more should we do it where are we at uh 25 minutes yeah let's go for it is there a ceiling to craft brewing uh yeah of course of course there is um any market has a limited capacity um brewing itself is huge and in a perfect world if craft brewing could eat a lot of uh the major brewers market um there is a ceiling but it's a long 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 way away um more realistically is there a ceiling? Yeah. Are we getting close to it? Well, people have been saying that for like at least 10 years and maybe longer. Um, and we still haven't hit it yet. That said, in the past, say, two years, there's been more brewery merging and closure than I can remember from any other two year period. So that's something. Um, who knows with this whole COVID-19 thing, what's going to happen on the other side of it. So that's a whole nother thing, not to be a naysayer, but it's a reality. Um, so is there a ceiling to craft brewing? Yeah, definitely. Have we hit it? Well, not yet. Are we about to? Who knows? Not me for sure. Uh, last question. Good one. Bottles or cans or just clap your hands or just clap your hands. Where is it at? Well, it's a good question, actually. 
I'm actually split on this. I'm not because my hand is a little bit forced. The LCBO really prefers cans. And because of that, a lot of brewers have moved to cans and especially tall cans, much like this tall can of Johnny Simcoe Pale Ale. I'm not against tall cans. I'm fine with tall cans. Um, I do prefer a short can uh, myself. Um, I just... I find if I'm drinking out of the can, and yeah, I drink out of the can, uh, I like holding it better. Um, I also find, especially when you're doing a podcast, hmm, not bad, but a full 474 milliliters uh, does tend to warm up a bit more quickly than 355. Um, it doesn't warm up more quickly. That was a very stupid thing to say. It obviously warms up slightly less quickly because it has more thermic mass. The problem is it takes you longer to drink it. So by the time you're done, it's generally a bit warmer. Um, it can often get into sort of unattractive warmth, uh, which is not cool. So what was I saying? LCBO forced my hand. What's in my fridge right now? Almost exclusively cans. Um, very few bottles in my fridge. Go back 10 years and the opposite would be true. It would be a very rare thing that I would have drank a can of beer and I would have tended to drink bottles of beer. Um, I think if, honestly, if you gave me the choice, if it was just like every beer that you love is going to be available in both, what would you buy? I would buy bottles. Um, I, I, I like the process of opening them. They're, the, the, the tactile feeling is better with a bottle. Um, and so that's really the only reason why. Let's talk pros and cons. I'm going to try and bang these out quickly. Uh, pros with cans. From an environmental point of view, they're lighter. So when they get shipped, there's less carbon impact because of the lightness of the product. Uh, that's both shipping the empty uh, uh, can to the, the brewery and then shipping the full can from the brewery to the consumer and right down the line. Uh, bottles on the other, no, no, hang on a sec. <laughs> stop, 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 stop. Stick with cans. Cans are lighter, so that's nice. Cans are completely opaque. So if you keep your beer in your can, the chances of it getting light struck are almost nil because the only light that gets through is through the hole. So virtually none, um, compared to a bottle, which is glass. Um, so they're completely light proof. Also nice. Um, if you're going to a place like, um, like a park or something where you're not allowed to have glass, cans are useful for that. Um, cans, of course, highly recyclable, which is great. And, um, oh, and then oxygen uptake. I'm going to talk about oxygen uptake in a second separately. Bottles. What's great about bottles? Bottles aren't recyclable. I mean, they are recyclable, which is fantastic, but they're also reusable, which is the real key. And a really good bottle, uh, like a steam whistle bottle, which are very dense and highly reusable, um, might get reused 10 or 12 times, uh, which is obviously much better than uh, cooking it down and rendering it back into a, 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 a basic metal that you can then shape into a can. Um, so reuse is better than uh, recycle. Um, that's why the three R's go reduce, reuse, and recycle. Reuse comes first over recycle. So that's great. Uh, they are heavier, which is a bit of a problem um, in terms of the environmental uh, shipping. But then when you factor in that they don't get recycled, they get reused, I think in the end, 
I remember hearing it comes out to pretty close to a wash environmentally. Um, and that the key is the distances that they have to travel. The instant you start talking into hundreds of kilometers of distance, cans become better. But if they're, it's all quite local, then bottles are better. Uh, as I said, cans are completely light proof. Bottles that are brown are very light proof. And really, let's not talk about clear glass bottles because those are stupid. Uh, green glass bottles aren't great, but I understand the romantic appeal. Um, so that's where we're at with bottles. And then the last thing is oxygen uptake. People talk about bottles. And so the industry standard bottle or ISB, which is what you will find like you know, Molson Canadian in and stuff like that. Um, they have a screw top. Most of the bottles that uh, craft beer drinkers would come across have a crown cap, which is no screw. Um, I don't have one handy, surprisingly. I have a lot of growlers around, though. Uh, that's another story. Crown cap doesn't have uh, threads to it. It's just a nub and the can, the bottle cap seals around it. Uh, it's a superior seal to a twist off bottle, without a doubt. What's interesting and this is one case, but it was properly uh, checked. Um, Steam Whistle, because they sell in both bottles and cans and have a very, very in-depth uh, QA department, which is quality assurance, did some looking. So beer does not like oxygen. Beer that has been oxygenated, oxidized is the word I should have reached for, uh, tastes like wet cardboard or sometimes like sherry, but not in a nice way. So we don't like oxygen getting into our beer. Obviously, this Johnny Simcoe has been sitting open for probably close to half an hour. It's still fine. There's not a lot of surface area, and obviously it's not getting um, turned over a lot. The flip to that, though, would be if there is oxygen in a sealed container or if a container seal isn't perfect and a little bit of oxygen can get in over time and with shipping, it can become oxygenated. Oxidized. Holy moly, I'm having trouble with that word. Oxidized. Uh, so who's better, a crown cap or a can? So we know that crown caps are better than twist offs. Cool. We know that I just mentioned that there isn't a lot of surface area here, but certainly there's more than in the neck of a bottle. By the way, if you're listening on the podcast, I'm pointing at my glass of beer, uh, which if I had to guess is four centimeters in diameter where the beer level is. Um, incidentally, not dissimilar from a can of beer. Now, uh, of course, normally a beer can is filled up almost to the very top right up the shoulder so again minimal surface area but more surface area than the neck of a bottle so the smart money is on the bottle but the smart money would be wrong at least in steam whistles case they found that cans had slightly less oxygen uptake than bottles and they couldn't really quantify why um they just discovered that with multiple checks of both uh, packages the cans tended to have slightly less oxygen uptake. So, cans. Who knew? That was unusually long. I did not think the bottles and cans question was going to take that long. But it did. So, my vote? Well, it's out of my hands. I don't get to vote. Um, I just have to buy what I like, and most of what I like comes in cans. Oh, we haven't even talked about BPA. There's a plastic liner on the inside of cans. Did you know that? inside of a can, I wouldn't recommend doing what I'm about to do, which is stick your finger through the hole. The inside of the can, you can even feel this plastic. It's a very thin 
like thinner than saran wrap thin uh, plastic layer. It's on the inside of every can uh, you consume anything out of uh, drink, fruit, you know, veg. They all have a very thin layer of plastic on the inside. And of course, people are worried about BPA. Do you remember what I said, incidentally, when I said about um, ethyl alcohol as a poison? And then I said, well, but there are no poisons. There's just poisonous doses. Well, the same is true of BPA. You know, um, I'm not a scientist and I'm not telling you to take my word on this. I would encourage you to do your own homework, but I think you'll find that the amount of BPA that is required to cause significant worry for humans, um, well, you'd have to be microwaving a lot of stuff in plastic to kind of get to that level. That said, if you really don't like plastic, stay away from cans. They're full of it. Funny enough, some people will tell you they don't like drinking out of cans because it tastes tinny. Um, you will note, I'm not going to boast too hard about my palate and my nose, but I would like to think that I've accomplished when it comes to tasting and smelling things. Hmm. Yeah, nothing tinny. Uh, that would be because there's no tin involved in a can. Of course, it's aluminum. And also, the product is entirely in contact with plastic, except for that brief moment when it passes the edge of the hole and crosses the surface of the lid. Funny enough... Nobody ever tells you that draft beer tastes tinny, but draft beer comes out of stainless steel kegs that are not plastic lined. They are stainless steel. So you would think if tinniness was a problem, uh, kegs would be the worst offender. Draft beer. So you learn something new every day. If you've really got to be in your bonnet about plastic, drink out of bottles. Just you're not going to get half of the beers I'm talking about because, for instance, Johnny Simcoe Pale Ale, as far as I know, not available in bottles. So that's cans and bottles. That was far and away the longest part of the whole podcast. Maybe I should have done a whole one just about bottles and cans and played a lot of back. Just clap your hands. Just clap your hands. So we've answered some questions. We've drank some delicious beer. Get some. Great Lakes. Obviously, we love them. This is the second week in a row. Um or support your local. I tell everybody this all the time. If you live in the southern part of Ontario, which is to say kind of from like North Bay down, you have a brewery within a fairly short distance of your house. Check them out. Support them. They need your help. So that's what I'm saying. I'm getting really hot up in here. Is anyone else getting hot? I'm wearing a sweater. Oh, man. Anyway, I'm going to have a sip of beer and then we're going to shut this down. So what are you going to do this week? Well, slow down, guys. I know stuff's opening up, but when you go out, I want you to do a couple of things. I want you to wear a mask. Um, I don't think we need to get into the science of this, but if you want to, look it up. It does not do you much good, but you don't know whether or not you're sick. And it will do a lot of good to other people if you are sick. Everybody else will thank you if you wear a mask. The other thing that wearing a mask does is it tells the community, I actually care about you. I care about you guys. I hate wearing a mask and I wear it bloody six or seven hours a day while I'm working. And it drives me mental. But it's good for the community, so I do it. So I would ask you to do the same. Please, mask up. It's not the end of the world. You don't have to wear a surgical mask. You don't have to find an N95. Look it up online. There's some really neat, easy-to-make uh, mask patterns. Are they as effective as a proper surgical mask? No, of course not. Otherwise, surgeons would be wearing bloody cut-up T-shirts. But will it help? Yeah, it definitely, definitely will help. So please, mask up. Wash your hands. 
keep your social distance. That's six feet, two meters, the length of a hockey stick. I don't know whose hockey stick they're measuring. None of mine are two meters, but anyway, I get the point. Or apparently the distance of three geese. Strange, but very Canadian measurement. Just give people space. Um, nobody will be offended if you t tip your hat at them and step out into the street to avoid them. Um, that will not only be uh, uh, not judged, it will be appreciated. So get out there, give people some distance, but go outside. It's good to get outside, get some fresh air, enliven yourselves. Uh, don't think that we're through this. Uh, the really, really scary thing is, especially here in Ontario, we're starting to slowly open some things back up. We haven't done nearly enough adequate testing. Um, this, by the way, I have some pretty heavy political opinions about this, and I will share them with you if you want, but I'm not doing that right now. I'm just laying out some facts. It doesn't matter who's in charge. The point is we haven't done anywhere near enough testing to have any idea who's been sick, who hasn't, who is sick right now, and who's at risk. So the opening back up of the economy is a nice idea, but it's a very dangerous one. So please go slowly. Continue to stay in if you can. I know it's been tough. I know a lot of people are hurting because they haven't been working. And by all means, if you need to go out to go back to work, please do. But do it safely. Other than that, take care of each other. Give somebody a virtual hug. Send a text. Plan a uh, Zoom beer. I'm having one of those tomorrow evening with one of my dearest friends, Rob J. Uh, friend of the pod? Sure. Don't think he listens. Again. <laughs> If you want to know how to endear yourself to me, you can start by not listening to my podcast, apparently. Uh, but I love that man to the moon and back. So I'm having one of those tomorrow evening. Great way to just connect with somebody, crack a beer, maybe a Johnny Simcoe Pale Ale. Catch up, keep track of each other, and uh, yeah, look out for each other, guys. It's, uh, it's been a long haul, no doubt about it, and it's not getting shorter. So hang in there, and uh, I'll talk at you next Monday, unless I do it sooner. <laughs>